When we keep Idaho students in classrooms, they have better physical and mental health. Help keep the student you love in school by getting them vaccinated if they're eligible. Make sure they wear a mask, frequently wash their hands, and stay home and get tested when sick. Our teachers and other school staff can also do their part by choosing to vaccinate, wearing a mask, and supporting other preventive measures. For more information on preventive measures, please visit coronavirus.idaho.gov or contact your child's school. Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety. Are you ready to get your mind blown? One angry New York City poor Rican decided to start a radio show determined to piss the world off by shoving a mirror in front of society's face. He kicked them in the balls. What are you? Who are you? This is the Crotch Shot Radio Show. Crotch Shot Radio Show. This is not a test. This is a broadcast transmission. We're going to stay on the air. And now, and now, the whippy, the whippy. to the Crotch Out Radio Show where we kick the interviews. Ah, what the hell? Where we kick the issues in the balls. We're on an active war against bullshit. We would do anything and everything to expose bullshit. The ends sometimes justify the means. So if you're angry and want the truth exposed, then strap in and prepare to be shocked. This is Smash Mouth Talk. If you can't accept that, then fuck off. I'm your host, Louis B. I take no shits from nobody. I uh, expose the bullshit of society, and I give it to you in nice, easy-to-chew chunks. Today won't be any different. I am honored to have a, a huge guest, in my opinion. Um, a very, uh, like, my personal hero. Uh, you know, uh, this gentleman uh, has, you know, to say the least, balls. Massive. Massive. Um, you might have heard of him if you uh, watch the news and actually give a damn. Um, basically, he like what he's going to say will prove everything that I told you about how self-defense, how the police act in this in New York City. His name is Joe Lazito. He is author of the book "The New York Subway Hero: My Battle with Evil and a Spree Killer." Now I give to you, Joseph Lazito. How you doing, sir? 
I'm doing good, Louie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, you were you were supposed to be on the show two years ago, but I almost I almost died. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, I had I had a uh, double pneumonia. Oh, I had that once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I could relate. Yeah, I had that. The like the day the day we you were supposed to come on that I had you scheduled to come on. Uh in the hospital, they put me in a coma. Oh. They put me in a coma. I and if it wasn't for a special machine at New York Presbyterian, I wouldn't be here today. Well, well you had it worse than me. The my the worst thing that uh I had to undergo when I had the double pneumonia was they had to drain my lung and one of my lungs and uh they did that manually and they actually took out about sixteen ounces of fluid, either sixteen or a liter, one or the other, but God, I didn't have to get induced into a coma, so I'm glad that you pulled through. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was it was just luck. It was luck. Somebody looking out for me, uh, either that or Satan was like, "No, I don't need no competition. Uh, <laughs> keep his ass there." Uh, so, um, I know I know you've done done this done this interview. I know you uh, spoke your story. But um, you know, I, my 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 uh, audience probably hasn't heard your story before. Uh, do you, would you like to go into it? Yeah, sure. Uh, you want me to start from the beginning? Yes, please. All right. So basically, to set the scene for everybody, um, at the time of this incident, I was living in Philadelphia and commuting to New York. Uh, I I lived in Philadelphia for ten years, um, and. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, Philadelphia for 10 years. I was working in New York at Lincoln Center. So basically, it was a two-and-a-half-hour wow. commute one way, you know, drive to Jersey, take the train. And um, I got up, you know, that day, Saturday morning, and uh, I'm just going to work. So, um, you know, drive to New Jersey, jump on Jersey Transit, take that to Penn Station, and... Uh, once I get to Penn Station, my subway rides about six or seven minutes, drops you right off at Lincoln Center, and, and I'm there. Well, this day, I uh, I get to Penn Station, and I go to, uh, I'm approaching the platform for the one train, which is the train I take to get there. Well, there were uh, notices that the uh, there was construction on the tracks, so there weren't any local trains, so they were... Uh, the one was mimicking the two and the three. Everything was expressed. So that day, I made a decision that I, I had never made before, um, and I walked over to the express tracks, the uh, the two and the three tracks, because I figured double the trains weren't there. I would get to work maybe twice as fast. And that's happened dozens of times, and I've never, never, ever went to the other platform for whatever reason this day I did. So I go to the platform and uh, waiting there for the two or the three. And a uh, couple minutes later, the three pulls up. So I get on the I get on the subway and um, I sit in the first seat behind the uh, motorman. So basically, the only thing separating the motorman and myself is a wall. And it's a you know decent uh, decent amount of people get on the train, and these two uh, uniformed police officers get on the train. You're thinking you're safe. Well, yeah, I would would think that you know <laughs> you would you would think that that would that would actually that would put me at ease. Okay, okay, we got two cops yeah. here. All right. Yeah, and I, and I've been on the train with police before, and they've 
these two did something that I've never seen before, and that's they went in the um, motorman's uh, booth mm -hmm. to uh, to ride with the motorman. Not been on the train with cops before, you know, going station to station, and they just stayed in the car with everyone. And and I thought it was a little weird, but whatever, you know. We we didn't move right away. We were sitting there, doors open. But again, you know, who knows with the construction on the tracks? I, you know, I don't know. So I'm sitting there, sitting there, whatever. Finally, the doors close, and now we start moving, but we're going very slow. And I'm sitting here going, "All right, you know, Annoying. whatever." Yeah. Now we start to move, and next thing I know, this guy walks up to the uh, the motorman's door. Now, for those of you not familiar with the New York subways, the door is a steel door, but there is a window, so you can see inside the the motorman's door, and they can see out. So this guy comes up and starts banging on the door, and he says, "Let me in." Now the two cops are on the other side of the door, so with they gun, look with out. With guns and shit. Guns, nightsticks, mace. Yeah. You know, so they look out the window and they say, "Who are you?" And the guy says, "I'm the police." And the cops on the other side say, well, you're not the police. And without incident, he turns and walks away. So I thought that was a little weird because mm. you figure if, if he was a cop, he would have showed ID or badge or something. They would have let him in. Yeah. But, I mean, he wasn't in uniform, but he could have been undercover for all I know. But I still thought it was a little weird. The well, next thing I know, there was a guy standing right next to me who made a beeline for the door. Except he looked different. He looked like he was panicking. And he's tapping on the window and looking over his shoulder and tapping on the window, trying to get the attention of the cops, trying to get the cops to come out. And he's he looks like he's in a panic. And this is all happening right in front of me. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck is going on here? Because I honestly don't know. So the first guy, he starts walking back up to the door. The guy, the second guy that was banging on the door trying to get the, the cops to come out, he sees him. He hightails it back next to me. So now I'm thinking, really, what's going on? So the, the first guy's walking back up about um, three feet from the door and two feet from me. He looks me, he looks down at me. I look up at him. He uh, takes out this eight-inch uh, cooking knife and says, you're going to die, you're going to die, and plunges it in my face under my left eye. So where the where the police? I mean, I'm pretty sure they they <laughs> saw, the they, they could seat. they had a front row seat. Yeah, I mean, you would think, okay, we got we got we we obviously have bulletproof vest on, we got guns, yeah. we got night. There are two of us. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a citizen being stabbed, got stabbed. Um, yeah. it's time to go to work. Yeah, you would think that, but yeah. instead, what happened was, uh, as he drew his arm back to stabbed me again I didn't you know I didn't think about it I just figured if if I don't do something he's definitely going to kill me so I went for a, uh, a cigarette takedown and uh, what happened was though I shot in too high and I ended up wrapping my uh, arms around his waist more like a football tackle right uh, you know I figured I got to get this guy down and it worked. I got him down, but in the process, he had free reign of my head and everything. And he ended up, uh, in addition to the the wound I have in my face, he stabbed me three times in the head. Yeah. Um, really bad. I mean, he he had. I have a big head, and he had free reign at it. So, so he did some some damage in in my head. But I did get him down. 
And while I had him down on the ground, um, you know, anyone familiar with, uh, you know, wrestling or mixed martial arts, I was in the dominant position. I was on top of him, but he still had the knife in his hand. And he was, uh, you know, flailing it up at me, trying to stab me from the bottom. And I was trying to catch his hand. And the first, uh, first time he uh, swung up at me with the knife, I tried to catch his wrist and I missed. And he sliced me in my left thumb down to the tendon. The second time he did it, he sliced me um, in my left tricep. And then finally, the third time he swung up, I was able to grab his wrist. I slammed his hand down, and the knife popped out of his hand. Yeah. So with that, right then and there is when I felt a tap on my shoulder, and it was the cop. It was a male cop and a female cop, and this happened to be the male cop. And he tapped me on the shoulder. You know, while I have him down, I'm, I'm sitting on top of him, and I got both his hands uh, pinned to the ground. And the um, cop says, you can get up now. We got him. <laughs> we got him. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, keep in mind at this point, I'm, I'm bleeding. I, I ended up getting stabbed seven times. Ouch. And I'm bleeding like crazy from all of these wounds, especially the ones in my head. So, I mean, I, I was like, you know, I wasn't. I just had to get up, you know, like I didn't know what was going to happen next. So he tapped me on the back. I got up and uh, he he took over. His partner didn't do anything. His partner basically uh, was useless. Uh, she was more useless than he was. She offered, she didn't get down on her knees at all, hands and knees at all, try to help handcuff this guy. She stood there and said, oh, should I mace him? Huh. The other guy said no, you know, the cop said no, because then it'll stay in the subway and it could affect other people. So she basically just stood around not doing anything. Well, the guy who attacked me was, was wound up on I don't know how many drugs or whatever, and he was not going to he was not gonna let be handcuffed by one person. And I'm sitting there watching the whole thing go down. I'm wondering if this guy's going to get up or whatever, and he didn't, but that's because a, a passenger on the train basically went and did the job of the second cop, got down on his hands and knees, and helped the officer uh, handcuff this guy. So, he's subdued, he's, he's whining, you know, let me go, let me go, you know, blah, 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 whatever, and, uh, and I'm sitting there, and now we're in the tunnel, we're between uh, 34th Street and 42nd Street, so I'm bleeding like crazy, so I'm assuming we're going to get the train moving which was a wrong assumption on my part. Um, sitting there, sitting there, and uh, I, I was, you know, just, the blood was pouring out of me. I felt myself getting tired and, and weak. But for some reason, I, he just, um, the guy who attacked me, mm -hmm. he really annoyed me with his whining and how he wanted to get up and let me go, let me go, and I just got really pissed. and. I just looked down at him and I said, you better hope I fucking die because if I don't, I'm going to come back and kill you, yeah. which honestly sounds great in interviews and it would look great in a movie, but I, I really, it just took everything out of me. Like I was just, it was like I had one burst of energy and I just basically blew it on that. So it was quiet though. Like once I did that, everyone was like, uh oh, you know, like what's good you know not that i was going to do anything i wasn't in a position to do anything as much as i wanted to but you know i guess when you're bleeding out of seven different places in your body you're not supposed to threaten the guy who uh who did that to you but well i mean that you know i i think 
I mean, I'm no psychiatrist, but that sounds like a proper response <laughs> to someone that that stabbed you seven times, and and, and also you know realizing, uh, you know the people that are paid to protect you just basically just got paid to you you just did their jobs. Yeah, I figure I should get their pension for one day, maybe for the rest of my life. I yeah, don't know. But... Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean. You uh like this serial killer, the spree killer. In fact, hold on. Let me see. If, let me Google him. Well, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't tell say his name or anything yet because I wanted to put your listeners into oh. my head because I didn't know anything about this guy. So at the time when this happened, um, I just thought he was some random lunatic. I didn't know he had a history, mm. but I found that out later. But I'll finish the story on the subway because it'll okay. it'll disgust everybody even yes. more. So um. So I have my little outburst, and uh, I'm sitting there, and really, you know, it hits me. Hey, we're not moving. So uh, I might bleed to death, and that was not an option. So we're not moving, and, I, and I'm going. You know, we got to move. Let's go. You know, are we when are we moving? And uh, they said, Yeah, yeah, we're going to move you. We're going to move you. You know, just uh, you know, be patient or whatever. Whatever they said, but they said we're going to move you. And I'm just sitting there, I'm sitting there waiting, and minutes are going by, and a cop walks past me, and uh, I, I grabbed their arm, and I said, hey, um, do you have kids? And they said, yes, I do. I said, I have two kids, I have two sons. I need to see my sons, they need to see me. You have to get me off this train. Yeah, yeah, don't don't worry about it, we're going to get Yeah, back. yeah, don't worry, okay. Yeah. We'll get you off the train. Don't worry. You know. You just we'll made us look like complete uh, uh, useless assholes. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get right on to like making sure you survive, so that way you could speak about how fucking lazy the <laughs> NYPD is. Okay. Yeah. So. Ugh. Yeah. So another couple of minutes go by, and still not moving. And I I grab another cop, and I said, "Hey, are you married?" And they said, "Yes, I am." I said, "So am I." I said, "I have a wife. I love very much. I need to see my wife." I said, "You guys have to get me off this train. What's the holdup?" So they said uh, they can't. They had to turn the power off because there were cops on the tracks. And if we turn the power back what on, what the fuck could, are they doing on the tracks? Well, they were looking for this guy apparently. But if they turn the power on, they could get electrocuted. So they ha I have to wait. I have to bleed all over myself in the floor. When you look at the guy, didn't, didn't they have him pinned? What did he run? Did he run I, off? I honestly, I don't know. That's what they told me. And. Uh, so I said, okay. I said, well, I, I said, you know, I'm going to die here. You know, and I just kept saying, I need to see my family. I want to see my family. I want to see my kids. I want to see my wife. So cop says, just watch the back of the train. Because at this point, more and more cops were coming on the train from the, from at some point behind the car that we were in. So they said, the paramedics are on their way. They're coming from the back of the train. So I felt, hey, I felt a little bit of relief. You know, maybe they're going to help me out. And I'm watching, and I'm watching, and the, the what I didn't I didn't know it at the time because I didn't see the passenger when he went to help handcuff this guy. I didn't see his face, but at some point, and I found out later it was the same guy. Guy starts yelling at the other passengers. You know, you're going to let this guy die in front of you. Nobody's going to help him. How could you just stand there and do nothing? And he came, and with just his bare hand, he put his hand over the deepest wound on the back of my head to try to stem the bleeding. Yeah. Um, and then someone else had given him tissues or napkins or something, so that helped out a lot. So and basically, uh, it wasn't the people that we we 
fucking pay taxes to 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 protect us to help you it was random citizens other random citizens it was a random citizen i found out later his name was alfred douglas and and as the story progresses shout out to alfred douglas thank you as the story progresses you'll find out that i'm the only one that ever mentioned him in any interviews on any television shows in any newspaper articles i'm the only one that ever mentioned him um so while excuse me while alfred's helping me out all of a sudden, I hear one of the cops go, okay, we're moving, we're moving. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, what about the paramedics? You said they're on their way. And they said, oh, they're at 42nd Street waiting for you. They're what? There when you get there, yeah. So uh, no, wait, how the fuck? The, yeah. um, so, so I'm just like, okay. So uh, so we get to 42nd Street. You know, the station was cleared out by then because they were expecting us, and they knew they had a, a, a idiot on the train and they had someone bleeding to death on the train so they cleared out the station and uh, when we get there the paramedics they actually for a couple of seconds they had our time getting the door open so that you know typical but uh, when they got they got on the train they lifted me up off the subway seat onto the stretcher and as soon as they lifted me up I passed out and I was out for a couple of seconds I could still hear everything in my head though but when I when I came to that's the first time I felt any pain. I hadn't felt any pain up until that point. I had felt pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt the blood uh, pouring out of me. And, you know, I felt when he stabbed me because I, I felt the, the pressure of the blade, but not the, it didn't, it wasn't sharp. You know, I had so much adrenaline. Um, you know, I heard him grunt and things like that, but I hadn't felt anything yet. And now all of a sudden I, I woke up and I'm, it feels like someone poured gas on my head and then lit it on fire. So, they get me stabilized, and now I'm carried upstairs. But uh, before that, there's cops behind me, and they're talking, and I can hear the conversation. And one of the things they said about me, they said I was likely. And I didn't know what that meant. So I said, okay, whatever, you know. And um, it didn't make sense at the time. So... They bring me up to the street level, and uh, there's a, there are cops up there. So this one cop looks at me and asks the other cops, "Hey, is that the perp or the vic?" And I was like, "Really?" I'm like, "Come on!" First of all, and, and it made sense. It didn't make sense. It made even less sense later when I found out that that cop had seen a mugshot of the perp earlier. So how he was confused, and I don't look anything like him. So how he was confused about that. You know, that's, maybe maybe he was speaking in general. Like I maybe, don't know, maybe, but I mean, yeah. I found out later there was a citywide manhunt for this guy, and that they had all been given his mugshot. So I, and we don't look anything alike, but whatever, you know, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. So well, not re- not really fine, but well, I mean, I mean, I I already know your story, but I just yeah. I wanted you to say it, but yeah. it like I already know this. Like later on, this story it get, it becomes more disgusting and aggravating. Yeah. So we get in the ambulance, and the, thankfully it was a Saturday morning, and I was the, the the paramedics were awesome. They were they were great, and I basically just was begging them, you know, don't let me die, keep me awake, don't let me die. I was begging them for painkillers, and they talked to me the whole way. They were awesome. I mean, they were they couldn't have been any better. So we get to the hospital, 
and they're waiting there for me, and uh, paramedics are giving them instructions, telling them, you know, where I'm stabbed, whatever, and they wheel me into this room, and there's like 10 people in it, and I blink, and there's like 15 people, and I blink again, and there's like 20 people. It's like every time I blink, there's more people. And they're, you know, tending to my wounds and cutting off my clothes to see if I'm cut anywhere else, and it's just like this, it's almost like a medical conference with me in the middle, and, um, I'm just lying there, and this cop comes to the head of the bed, and he holds up a mugshot, and he says to me, uh, is this the guy who did this to you? And I said, yes. And he said, well, you're a hero. And I said, well, I'm not a hero. Why am I a hero? And he said, oh, he killed four people last night. And Someone in the chat room, Ashton, she says, this guy is a fucking champ, and I agree. <laughs> well, tell, us, tell Ashton I said thank you. Well, she heard you. <laughs> okay, thank you. So, uh. So, yeah, so that was, I was, like, dumbfounded when I heard that because, you know, like, you hear all the time, oh, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kick your ass, and that, blah, but you're messing around most of the time. Mm -hmm. This guy said he was going to kill me, and he, and he really tried to kill me, and then I found out that he did kill four people. Yeah. So, I was... In fact, well, the, the name of the guy, his, his name was, uh, well, is uh, Mark, Markson Gelman. Yeah, Maxim Gelman. Maxim, okay, Maxim Gelman. Uh, yeah. he, he, uh, this is what it says on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, refer, uh, tw he, uh, he was in a 28-hour killing spree lasting from February 11th to February 12th in New York City, which involved the killing of four people and the wounding of five others. Uh, Ma uh, Mar uh, Maxim Gelman was arrested and pleaded guilty to the crimes. Uh, yeah, and, and you were the one, you're the one that stopped him. Yeah, he, you know... This guy, well, this guy was really brave. I mean, uh, he went after a 54-year-old mother, uh, another 56-year-old woman, a 20-year-old female, 62-year-old uh, 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 elderly gentleman. Well, well, I think what your listeners need to understand mm -hmm. is the first guy he killed was his stepfather. Mm. It was his stepfather. He stabbed him about 55 times. Okay. Then the next person that he killed was the mother of the girl that he was stalking, a girl named Yelena Bolchenko. Uh, he went to uh, her house, and the, Yelena wasn't home, and he ended up killing the mom. Then uh, he came back. Look, you know, Yelena came home. He came back, and he killed her basically on her front lawn, almost cutting her head off. And uh, in the you know, and all the hubbub and the, him trying to get away, he was carjacking people, and he and he hit actually hit two people with cars, and one of them ended up dying. So those were his four murder victims, and um, you know, just gutless and yeah. Well, you know, of course, punk, he, he yeah. Know. Apparently, he's one of the bravest uh, men I have ever known. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, course. no, I I, it's, I got it's that. Like, but, you know, know, I mean, I I mean, look, obviously, this dude is. Thoroughly fucked in the head. I mean, who would think to do this yeah. and just be like, okay, like, um, yeah, we're gonna kill some people. Like, you know, normal people if they're gonna if they're gonna cross that line, there's a real they they have a real good reason. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, listen, I, I've said it all the time. Um, I, I've thought about the scenario a million times. If my family is ever threatened, I have no problem ending somebody. I mean, and I, I think any any parent, any man, any woman. That loves who you know their family. They love their their sons, their daughters, their brothers, their sisters. I mean, 
you know, if anyone tried to break in my house and tried to attack my family, I, I would do whatever I could to stop them. And it, well, I, you I proved that. Through, I mean, know, so. with you, with you, everyone, with everyone else, that's just talk. I mean, me included. But you, you actually prove, and this guy was just trying to kill you, and you did everything you had to do to make sure you went home. Yeah, that's it. That was the goal. I wanted to see my family. Uh, quick question. Uh, mm -hmm. af after all this, were you charged with anything? Did they try to charge you? No. Believe it or not, that's oh. the one thing they got right. They didn't wow. try to charge me. Yeah, because usually, because I've made this point on the show all the time, especially in New York City, you you're, you're barely allowed to use your bare hands to defend yourself. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. No, I mean, the, the sad reality is I actually didn't even get to throw a punch. I really, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I really just took him down and disarmed him. You know, so they really, you know, maybe they wanted to arrest me, but they really couldn't get me on anything. I mean, unless they wanted to arrest me for doing their jobs, but yeah. really, they had nothing on me. You were you were acting like a police officer, Joe. You 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 know you made us look bad. Um, what? Wait, he hasn't been to the academy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we're a bunch of slubs, aren't? Mm. Oh, but hey, let's let's all let's uh, go on strike so that way we don't have to pay uh, you know extra money in healthcare costs. Well, and, and, and I'll say this, you know, full disclosure, my sister is a city cop, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I have. My wife has family members who are cops, and and they're good. At, they were are good, and and we're good at their jobs. And you know, I know other other people who are cops, and I know they actually give a shit. You know, and and I've met a lot of cops. I I, I can't even tell you. None, of course, that would go on the record for fear of retribution. Right. But I'm in Penn Station every day, and when this first happened, and I went back to work, I can't even tell you how many cops came up to me and and had. You know, very very kind words for what I did, and uh, a lot of them, a lot of them asked me the same question: What were they thinking? And I, I didn't have an answer for them. You know, so um, I, you know, I think there's there's good and bad in in, in right. every walk of life. Uh, I was it was unfortunate for me that I had two complete failures as human beings on that train with me as police officers. But I think you know, if I had people that I know and, and, and respect and that, you know, take the oath that they take very seriously, I think it could have gone a lot differently. Unfortunately uh, for me, I had two gutless cowards on the train that day. Yeah, and surely you, you have grounds for a lawsuit. Uh, you would think so, yeah. uh, but uh, I don't. I You don't? No. What happened was um, a couple of days after the incident, I had to testify before the grand jury to indict Gilman, and uh, I testified, and, and the male officer named Terrence Howell, he testified after me, and basically, um, you know, from what I've been told, uh, my testimony was excellent and uh, very emotional and, and pretty much got the job done. They didn't need to hear anyone else's testimony. They were going to indict this guy, but... Um, Howell testified after me, and um, well, that was it. And, and while all this was going on, you know, I replayed the incident over and over in my head, and, and I just knew something wasn't right. You know, um, I, the type of person that I am, I really didn't want any of the attention um, because it's just not me. You know, my, my everyday life is my everyday life, and I really only care about being a husband and a father. Um, 
but I was forced into this. And even when I was doing interviews, I, I would say, you know, there are good police officers out there that that are heroic and firemen and things like that. And I was always trying to deflect the praise because it's just not not who I am. But what ended up happening, but but like I said, throughout the whole thing, I'm sitting here going, something doesn't add up right. Well, what took them so long? Because by the time I had taken him down on the train, my back was to the door. So, you know, like to me, they should have been out there before his ass hit the ground because they saw him stab me the first time. But I didn't have any proof, you know, so I didn't really want to say anything. I just kind of kept it to myself and my family and, you know, whatever, you know. So I, I was off work for a few weeks recovering, and I go back to work. And the first day I'm back at work, I'm leaving, and I notice I'm being followed. And I, I was on the phone with a buddy of mine, and I said, listen, let me call you back. There's someone following me. And he's like, really? And I'm like, I swear to God, I can't make this stuff up. So I kind of slow my pace. The guy that's following me keeps his pace. And next thing I know, he's right behind me. And I turn around really quick, and I said, can I help you? And I kind of startled him a little bit. And he, you know, he said, listen, I'm not looking for trouble. He goes, you're Joe you know, from the subway yet, whatever. He goes, I really need to talk to you. So I said, okay. So he said, you know, he introduced himself, but I honestly don't remember his name. Um, he said, listen, I was on the grand jury that you testified uh, to about government. So I said, well, how do I know? He said, well, how can I prove it to you? And I said, okay. I said, tell me about the pictures they showed, because they showed pictures of my, my head and my face before I was sewn up, and they were very, very graphic, and they, they've never been made public. And he described all four of them to a T. So, so then I said, okay, so obviously you were there. And he said, listen, he goes, I, I really have to talk to you because after you testified that night, I went home and I watched a lot of your videos on YouTube and read a lot of the articles. And he goes, you're giving way too much credit to the police. And I said, you know what, my sister's a cop and, you know, she, she – put your life on the line every day, and he's like, listen, he goes, I, if he goes, forget about how you feel about cops in general, he goes, these two cops hung you out to dry, and I said, what do you mean? He says, well, after you testified, he, he said, there's no doubt we were going to indict him, but then Howell testified after you, and one of the things he said really blew our minds, and I said, what was that? He said, Howell testified that he was watching everything go down through the window and the door, mm. and when Gelman reached into his jacket, uh, and that he had actually opened, turned the handle on the door to come out. He hadn't come out, but the door was open. He was ready to come out. But when Gelman reached in his jacket, he thought he had a gun. So instead of coming out, he closed the door and stayed inside. Huh. Right? So that was like, I mean, it, on the one hand, I was totally blown away. And I almost felt like I was attacked again, you know. But when the dust in my head settled, I said, well, now it makes sense. Because like I said, I had all these questions that I couldn't answer. But now now everything made sense. So I said, okay, now i got to go home and i got to tell my family this. And, you know, I told my wife and my kids and everything. Obviously, everyone was all upset because obviously the whole thing could have been prevented if they weren't gutless. Um, but they are, and it wasn't. So uh, I spoke to a lawyer about suing the city because somebody needs to be held accountable okay um and when I facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online that's because they've invested 13 billion dollars in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years it's working 
In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety. I'm off to visit my mom and her boyfriend, Jim, for the holidays. I used to tease them about all the smoke detectors at their house, even though it saved the day when I burnt the pizza to a crisp that one time. I just couldn't take my eyes off the game. Thank goodness for that smoke detector doing its job. Relying on what works is important, not just for me, but for my mom and Jim. That's why I got vaccinated for COVID-19 before traveling for the holidays. Keep relying on what works. Visit vaccines.gov for more COVID-19 info. Visited with the lawyer. He says, okay. He goes, take a motion out of it right now. I want to tell you something. And I said, go ahead. He said, in regular world, regular life, what they did was reprehensible. And common sense would say you have a suit. You have a very good case. Yep. He goes, but I want to show you something. And he showed me this, these cases where... The uh, cases were dismissed or cases were lost because uh, there is a loophole uh, on the books that is, it's not a loophole, it's actually a you know, law or whatever, and it's mostly used in order of protection cases, which when used in an order of protection case makes perfect sense. When used in a case like mine, it makes no sense. And basically, in a nutshell, it's that the police do not owe a duty to protect. Right? Yeah. Yep. They do not owe a duty to protect. So basically what they could have done that day, which is basically what they did, once we're in this fight now, now I get them on the ground, now they can come out and, you know, be the heroes uh, for the ladies out there. If, God forbid, a woman's getting raped and they come upon it, they don't have to do anything. They can wait till the guy's done. And when he gets up, they can arrest him. They don't have to stop him. And when that woman goes to sue, they're going to say there's no special relationship between you and the police. They do not have a duty to protect you. Your case is thrown out. Yeah, because the job of the police is not to uh, prevent crime or stop crime. Their uh, their jobs are to pro- to arrest after a crime has been committed. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the sad thing is, I mean, for other cops, for good cops, you know, like this, this makes them look bad because then the the broad brush is is wiped across all of them. Um, so my lawyer said, yeah, we're going to go forward with this, but keep in mind, he goes, at some point they're going to look to dismiss this on these grounds, and I said, okay, and I was blown away, like I couldn't yeah. believe it, like I, you know, I, I understand, I've never been involved in a lawsuit before, so I don't, I don't know how it works, and I figured that. You know, they would do stuff to protect these guys, but I didn't know. And it just, it seems so shady. So, um, so they, we filed our complaint, they filed their answer, and we answer that. Now they file their motion to dismiss. And the motion to dismiss is the funniest thing I've ever read. They cite cases, um, no case similar to mine at all. They cite over a hundred cases, I think. There are cases in there that involve exotic cars. There are cases in there that involve office furniture. Uh, There are cases in there that involve teachers being attacked at schools. Uh, There are cases in there that involve schools not fixing fences. 
all this stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with my case. And I'm reading through this and I'm thinking to myself, this, there's no way this can stick. No way. And uh, unfortunately it did. I mean, we fought, we did everything we could do and we fought it and we fought it. But ultimately, uh, Judge Margaret Chan, who I've realized has a history of this stuff, um, dismissed my case. So while common sense would say that, you know, I have a good case, I have a lawsuit, but uh, according to the laws of this country, I do not. Did anything happen to those two officers? Yeah, you want to know? <laughs> you want to hear something funny? What happened to the two officers? Well, I don't know what happened to the female Taylor, but the other day I was doing some research because I'm uh, I'm trying to do something now that I, I won't disclose because it, it's in the thinking stages right now. But I was doing some research on the officers and the judge, and when I put in a Google search for Terrence Howell, I saw that. I don't know how many months later they actually gave him an award. <laughs> oh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. They gave him an award for his bravery, and and when I saw that, I almost fell off my chair. So I, I wasn't invited to the ceremony. I wonder why. Yeah. So uh, wait, he got an award for his bravery for your for arrest. Max and Gilman. How's that? <laughs> That's not bad, oh. right? Oh, man. Yeah, it's funny. If people want to do a Google search for Terrence Howell, it's actually pretty funny. There's an article that was in a cop magazine about what he did. And I think oh, it's the first two comments. Yeah, I, okay. Uh, NYPD cop tackles rampage suspect on train carjacking details emerge. Is, yeah, that, is that the article? It's I forget what the magazine is. It's like a cop magazine. And the first first two comments from people are like, way to go, you're so brave, this and that. And then the next like 20 or 30 comments are just people ripping it, going, that's not what really happened, you're a fraud, you're this, you're that. So that one, uh, that one makes me laugh. That article, there's another article written by a writer named Pete Cotts, who I think writes for the Village Voice, and he wrote an article just killing me after we announced the lawsuit, just called me a candy ass and everything. And, and I, I took that as a grain of thought. Yeah, it was funny. I, listen, Wait, uh, uh, where, where? calls me and says, oh, God, hey, you know, don't don't read this article. It's going to upset you. And I said, no, go ahead, send it to me. So send me the link. I was laughing my ass off. Like, I'm not real sensitive about that stuff. So I thought it was funny. Uh, my mom and my sister and my wife, everyone else was pissed, but I thought it was hysterical. But the best part is every single comment on there just rips this guy to shreds. And it's not even people I know. Like, I think maybe one or two people, but everyone else is like, are you kidding me? You're a candy ass. What would you do in that situation? So, you know. Seriously, in what realm of reality are you a candy? You fought a guy that stabbed you. Well, I think, I think he was saying that what I did was I, I took all the glory and and stuff that people did for me and I took it and then and and then I filed the lawsuit like it was a plan that I was gonna get all this stuff and then I was gonna try to sue the city and, and obviously it couldn't be further from the truth and had he contacted me at all, I would have told him so, but he didn't and you know, the comments after the article are priceless. So every now and then when I need to laugh, I usually Google those two articles and I read them and I read the comments and it just makes me smile. Well, 
like I'm like honestly, you telling me the story is like fucking aggravating. It it really is. I mean it. You know you and feel free to curse. This is totally uncensored. <laughs> and it's but the best part is is that I like that reaction from people because. I think the the worst thing in a case like this would be apathy. You know, I don't. I, I tell the story, and I'll tell it a million times because your reaction is the reaction that most people have is, is anger. Because especially people that live in the city, yeah, whose tax dollars go to pay these people and their and their pensions and their medical benefits and things like that. So yeah, I, you know, with uh, with the book. The book hasn't sold a lot of copies because I have no marketing behind it, but the people that have read it are really passionate about it. You guys can pick up the book now that you mention it. Go to nysubwayherobook.com. That's nysubwayherobook.com. Or pick it up on Amazon. Uh, that is the New York Subway Hero, My Battle with Evil and a Spree Killer by Joseph J. Lozito. Well, thank you for that. Just, like, seriously, pick it up. It's also, if you don't want to get the physical book, it's also on uh, uh, Kindle. It's on Kindle, it's on Nook, and it's on uh, Google Play. And actually, if you go to the nysubwayherobook.com, it's it's linked up to all the ways you can order it. So it's a one-stop shopping, very there simple, buy website, very easy. Yeah, look, you could nysubwayherobook.com slash how-to-order. Oh, uh, how, yeah. Just just click the how to order link, and it shows you to order the paperback copy. Click here to order the Amazon Kindle. Click here to order the Barnes and Noble Nook. Click here to order. Oh, it's also on Google Play. Uh, have you thought about um coming out with like an Android uh, fighting game, like you versus uh, Maxim? Just like no, I haven't, I haven't thought about that. You know, the, the reality is call it the Subway uh, fuck up. <laughs> like you'll you'll have yeah. the, you'll have the cops in the in the background like you know, sh- uh, Potty, you know popcorn ju- ju- and stuff. Well, no, not even. They're just cowering and yeah. they're just pissing on themselves. And then once you get once you win, that the the <laughs> got the one of the cops just ha- sticks his chest. I was like, I right, got this, and then locks him up and is like, whew, that was hard work. I think, I, I, and I can't verify this because since the, since it happened. I, they haven't allowed these officers to speak to the media. I wonder why. Yeah. Because um, they'll get they'll get freaking they'll, they'll get cut yeah. down. They'll like with words, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what happened was I, they were I messed up their plan by not dying. I was supposed to die, mm-hmm. and then nobody could go and tell the truth. And then by me not dying, I ruined their plan. Man, so that's, that's really you know uh, insensitive of you, Joe. I know. Like, I, come on, man. I messed up their glory, but uh, hey, you know, Howell still got an award, so I guess it worked out well for yeah. him. Oh, I, I would have gotten away for it if it wasn't for these meddling Lozitos. Yeah, I, well, the funny thing was, it's funny that you say that because there was a show that was put out called The Killer Speaks, and I recommend people not watch it because it's full of bullshit. Uh, the production company uh, for this show interviewed me for over three hours, and... Basically, when I watched it, it, it's basically an infomercial for the NYPD. Of course. And, and they interviewed me for three hours, and they used about 45 seconds of footage. And, uh, and, hey, and hey, listen, you know, I, when I say I don't want the attention, I mean it. You don't have to put me on at all. Don't waste my time, though. Don't, don't talk to me for three hours, and then don't – you didn't put my side of the story out there. It was just the side of the story about the cops. But it was funny at the end when they speak to to Gelman, 
he calls me a nosy bald guy, and I got involved because I'm a nosy bald guy. So apparently, I ruined his day too. So, what can you do? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, um. So yeah, I mean this. I mean one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because in New York City, like, like gun laws are so strict. You can you can't you can't carry any type of weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised they even allow pepper spray. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've I've you know I do security, and when they when they come when like everyone's favorite part of the class is the use of force. Yeah. And we're told. You you even even if you're getting your ass kicked, if you put your hands on a suspect, you lose automatically. You're losing your job, and you're getting arrested. Oh, definitely. You can't definitely. like even like if the guy is trying to kill you and you break his nose with a punch, technically you could get arrested for assault. Oh yeah, they'll, they'll take, They would they would have taken both of you in if you would have thrown the punch and and hurt them. Mm-hmm. No, I believe it. Nothing surprises me anymore, so I believe everything. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it really is ridiculous how, and then and then they, you know, it, it's almost sociopathic on how the NYPD just lied and tried to sweep this under the rug and call this guy a hero when he, he him and his partner were cowering instead of trying to save lives. Well, I, well I'll, I'll tell you like I tell everybody else. When I sued the city, my goal was to get this case into court, and and I've been accused of being greedy. I've I've read uh, people have said I was trying to get a million dollars, and I read another report that said I was going for ten million dollars. Which, the irony of that is, my lawyer and I never even spoke about any dollar amount. The only people who spoke about any kind of money, and we kind of did it like, hey, you know, if we got this, it's kind of like, hey, if we win the lottery, you know, things like that. Like, you just fantasize. But the reality is I wanted to go to court because I wanted the truth out there, okay? And, you know, some people to this day still don't believe my side of the story, and that's fine. That's their prerogative. I, I You know, like with me, if I don't believe something, very it, it would take a miracle to change my mind. And I know a lot of people are like that, and I accept it, and that's fine. The only thing I say to those people, and the only thing I say to everyone else is this. When we filed our, our lawsuit, there was one side battling their asses off to get this into court, to bring it to the public, to get this on TV, to get it in the papers. There was one side that was doing that. And there was another side doing everything in their power to dismiss this case. And I refuse to believe it was strictly financial because, let's face it, the city settles with people every day. The city, you know, they they pay, you know, they arrest, you know, low-level drug dealers, this and that, criminals, and they pay them five grand, ten grand for information, and let them go. So this is a this is a government en- entity that is free with their money, you know. So it they it would have been easier for them to say, hey, we'll give you X amount of dollars. Can we make this go away? But they didn't because any attention is bad attention, as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, especially I mean, and this was right before the whole stop and frisk scandals. Yeah, and, yeah, and the know, other thing yeah. is, I. I'm just a mellow guy, 
all right, I'm mellow, I just go about my life. But, but when, I'm, when I have a strong feeling about something, I have no problem saying it. I absolutely 100% know, and if the people on the city side are listening to this, they know it too. I would have crucified those two officers in court. We did um, a hearing, a 50H hearing, where we meet with the insurance adjusters for the city. And he interviewed me for a little while. And when the interview was over, he told my lawyer, this guy is their worst nightmare. He remembers everything crystal clear. He speaks well. It would, he's, their, he's their worst nightmare. So this is someone from their side saying this. I, there was, when you have a guy trying to lobotomize you with no, uh, no painkillers, no Novocaine. Yeah, yeah. Being in the court of law answering questions, that's easy. You know, I wasn't going to get rattled. The lawyers weren't going to rattle me. And I'd welcome it. You know, see, had we gone to court, like, they could have called me an hour before court and said, hey, get to court, we're going to go to trial right now. And I would have been there in a heartbeat because I don't need preparation because all I'm going to do is tell the truth. They're the ones that need a script. You know, their officers need a script. They're the ones that need to know, well, wait, what are we going to say happened? What are we going to do? This and that. So I, I wholeheartedly... And in, in, from the bottom of my heart, no. They wanted no part of this. Now, if their guys, if their cops are heroes and they did what they're supposed to do, why not go to court and prove it? Why not? It, don't tell me about budget. The city wastes so much money, it's ridiculous. They wanted no part of it because I would have absolutely crucified them. And that would have been, it would have looked terrible for them. So... And it's easy to say. I mean, I'm no, I'm not special that I say I would crucify them. Anyone else in my position that has the truth on their side would have done the same thing, because I don't need to. I don't need to remember a story. Like Judge Judy says it all the time. When you tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. I was just going to tell the truth. So while they're up there trying to trick me and, and put me under pressure, this and that, I'm just going to sit back and tell the truth. And that when, when the officers got on the stand and my lawyer just roasts them because they're going to try to remember what they were told, I would have looked terrible for them. So that's really all I say to the people who don't believe me. Why was one side trying to get this into court and one side doing everything they can to keep it out of court? Because they would have lost and they would have lost miserably. Hmm. I'm just speechless right now. Good. That's what. Just... That's the reaction I hope everybody gets when they hear this. Because I'm not stopping. Like I'm not. I'm not. You know, it's easy to say that. You know, it's been four years now. It was four years ago this uh, past February. So it's mm -hmm. been over four years. And I guess at some point they think I'm going to stop, but I'm not. And you know, I don't know. I don't think I have any. We're working on something. I have a new lawyer, and we're working on something for uh, an appeal. Honestly, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but I'm doing everything in my power to get my story out there yeah. um, and just make sure that it stays there because when I want people, and it wouldn't happen really with uh, Taylor, the female cop, because she was completely useless. Her, her name really wasn't used much in it because she was just almost like a, uh, you know, a spectator. Mm -hmm. But I want people... And, and it kind of it kind of brings disrespect to, you know, when... When women start screaming for like the whole oh the pain gap we don't get paid as much as women okay well look 
you're not doing you're not doing equal work for equal pay. You just stood back and you were just watching. I mean, what's the difference between her and a security guard? Well, in that case, they both did the same amount. They both did nothing, so they should get paid equal. And you know what? There are some badass women out there that would have taken care of business. I have no doubt about that. But basically what I want is if someone meets Officer Terrence Howell, like people, to this day, some people still recognize me. The other day, we were at the UFC in New Jersey, and I had a couple of people recognize me that want to take a picture. So I hope that if people meet Terrence Howell, just like people say, oh, you're the guy that stopped the killer on the subway, I hope they meet Terrence Howell and go, aren't you the cop that didn't do anything that day when Maxim Gellman was there and you were on the train to do a job and you didn't do it? Aren't you that cop? You know, so this way you can go home and look at, look at his... Uh, you know, his trophy, he's whatever he got that day. You know, he's a paper champion, I guess. But uh, yeah. whatever, it doesn't matter. Like I said, eventually, I- I'm going to use everything in my power to get this out there one way or the other. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully uh, more people will listen and they'll go order your book from uh, New York, uh, NYSubwayHeroBook.com. And I mean, they'll, they'll, I mean, are there, do you know of anybody they could, they could email or who they could talk to, to like put pressure on the NYPD? The reality is I think at this point, the only thing that's going to put any pressure on them at all is the media. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's been sort of a frustrating uh last few years for me because when everything first happened I, I think I was accommodating to every media outlet out there and I did a lot of interviews I didn't really I didn't turn anybody down and you know you know, and, and I guess it's just you know hearsay not hearsay but you know you just say it like hey you know, if there's anything we can do let us know so when I wrote the book and I wrote the book myself I published it myself I edited it myself in hindsight I should have uh, hired a, a marketer or a PR firm to help me market it, but I didn't because I thought I had made all these contacts in the media that said, well, if we can ever help you, just let us know. And basically, it's been one after the other that doesn't want to uh, do anything regarding the book or interview me or anything like that. So um, <clears throat> basically, if anyone's out there and they want to they want to do anything, I, I would say, you know, your, your local news or like uh, you know, big news people like Anderson Cooper or uh, Judge Napolitano or uh, you know Bill O'Reilly, anyone, any any big shots, you know. Um, I've sent books to all these people. I've sent books to Oprah. Um, I sent books to everybody, and it's unfortunate that in this day and age, celebrities hold more water than the regular citizens. But that's just a fact of life, and and, and it, 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 I think it's pretty shitty. But you know, if Oprah says buy this guy's book i'll sell a million copies before the end of the week if you say it or i say it i may not sell any but oprah says to buy it not people run out and buy it um you know if, if someone like bill o'reilly or um anderson cooper or, or greta van Susteren were to do a story on this it would probably garner some attention but you know if, if the local newspaper you know in my town does something it won't garner any attention mm-hmm. so unfortunately um, it has to be. It has to go through the media. The media, I think, at this point, yeah. is the only thing that can help me get the story out. Well, there. that is the independent media. You you were on Infowars, correct? Uh, I think 
that they used some of the footage, but I don't, I've never been interviewed by them. Huh. That's uh, Alex Jones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I've never spoken to him. Um, and everyone, I, 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 listen, I don't do a lot of this stuff, like, online. You know, I just, I'm very private. I'm, I live my life, you know, my family. I kind of live in a bubble, you know, so I, I, I never heard of a lot of these people that I met. And four years ago, I didn't know who Alex Jones was, and now I do, and I know he's very influential. Um, but um, and I think he's done stuff on my story, but I've never had the opportunity to speak to him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, I mean, I, the point I'm making is, you know, there's also the independent media that's slowly but surely taking over and becoming yeah. the mainstream. Because people are getting tired, like you know, MSNBC, their numbers are dropping. CNN, their numbers are dropping. I mean, it's like no, no one's taking their crap anymore because it's all corporate, you know, hee haw type bullshit. And mm. you know, you got yeah. you got people who are not sponsored by anybody that doesn't have to worry about you know having to follow a narrative or lose sponsors mm. or lose a job. They're just yeah. they could you know me. I could tell it like it is. I could I could be passionate about what you're coming from and 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 then you know really you know as a fellow new yorker thank you for for taking taking that son of a bitch out well no you thank you for saying that and uh you know i mean he didn't give me much choice i could do it or die and well yeah i mean but still you know most you know i'm just gonna be concerned most people probably would have frozen up and, and just died that's possible. Most people. Everyone tells me that. You know, it's funny. I get a few people that say, oh, I would have done the same thing. And I said, man, you're better than me because if you had asked me what I would do before it happened, I wouldn't know what I would do. I, I would like to think I would fight back, but, geez, you don't know what you're going to do in a situation like that until you're in it. I mean, you know, so, case in point, I, I've, I've taken Krav Maga. I've taken the gun disarming and the knife disarming class. Last right. summer, um, I was sitting on my stoop at night, and some dude stuck a gun in my face, and I was sitting down, and I froze. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I felt like shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, luckily, I got my I got my stuff back, but, you yeah. know. No, it's brutal. Uh, you know, it's, it's disgraceful like, that people think they can do stuff like that. It's like, uh, and, and, like, I kept thinking, what the fuck? Like, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm a fucking coward. He's a fucking coward for, he, he needed, he u- using the gun. No, you're not a coward. He's a coward. You're not a coward. Yeah, I could have... You reacted like a normal person. I mean, you know, you're not expecting... You're sitting on your stoop, getting some air or whatever, having a beer, having a smoke, whatever you're doing, and mm-hmm. some gutless jerk-off comes and puts a gun in your face. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You're not... Nobody's prepared for that, you know? So, I mean, you're not a coward. He is. Yeah. I mean, to this day, I mean, I haven't I haven't sat out in, in, on the stoop in, like, over a year. I mean, I, it's like, yeah, I'm not risking it because it's what another dude, you know, he, he was in a he put on a mask. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, and he didn't get any cash. He didn't get any, he got absolutely nothing of value. Right. So I ended up basically friend zoning the guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... But uh, I mean, you. I mean, okay. You know, it's like you you fought through the pain. Like I, you get you get mad respect. It's like you, like the initial. I mean, that initial shock of getting it in the face. It's like ow. I mean, yeah. nor, normally people would just be like, okay, enough fighting. 
I don't want to fight. No, no. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I've said it from the beginning that, you know, I appreciate everyone's kind words, but I'll never say that I did something that anyone else wouldn't have done because, you know, if I did it, anyone else could have done it. So, uh, so I, I appreciate that. But I, I mean, to me, I, I was just put in a situation. I was put there for a reason. Um, well, yeah, because no one else, no one else wanted to catch this guy. It was like, yeah, enough's enough. Well, fortunately, it worked out in my favor because there were certainly people there that were not uh, of assistance, and this could have gone really wrong really quickly. And thankfully, it didn't. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that you know the sacrifices you had to make for for this to happen. But you know, it's like. I, like you said yourself, you were put there for a reason. I mean, you know, if if you, if the trains were working on the weekends on with the MTA, psh, yeah, okay, um, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the L train just messed up today, so you know, I was like, okay, yeah, no, and you know, I I try to be positive because you know the reality is I shouldn't be here right now, and I get to wake up next to my wife every morning, and I get to see my kids every day and you know every day is a blessing you yeah know, i'm not overly religious but you know i'm i'm here you know I, I survived and i'm very fortunate and you know i get to watch my kids grow up and graduate college and hopefully change the world you know how so, many, how many uh, kids so you got? i'm just positive about it how many how many kids you got i have two sons oh okay yeah so um after all this have uh, well i well I already know the answer, but you, have you started taking up, like, uh, mixed martial arts and stuff? Well, it's funny because I always wanted to. I always wanted to train in something, and I never did, really, because of work. And uh, But, yeah, I I, uh, I train at Belmore Kickboxing Academy, and uh, it's in, uh, obviously, Belmore, Long Island. Um, it's, a, it's a nice little, small, old-school, you know, kickboxing, boxing, MMA gym. Um, we have five guys that train there that are in the UFC right now. Um, Chris Algieri, who just fought Manny Pacquiao, trains there. Um, so, you know, for it's a gym. You know, anyone that watches UFC, you know the big-name gyms all over the world. Uh, this gym is probably a fraction of the size of it, um, but it's just hardcore. The trainers and coaches there are amazing. And... Um, I love it. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. I love it. So, for me, that's that's my place. And my two sons, uh, they actually take uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at one of Matt Serra's schools here on Long Island. So we're all we're all doing pretty good. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've taken Krav Maga. I'm planning on going back. Yeah. Um. So um. Oh, any oh you you have a project but you're not ready to talk about it now. Any any other any other plans going on? No nah, man, I, I just you know, um, I just live my life. You know, the the thing that I'm working on right now, it's it's really in the, the thought stages. I have to. Um, it would take me. It's gonna take me a bit to put it together, and and this would be. Um, I mean, unless anything happens with the court system, which I'm not holding my breath, uh, this would this would probably be my like the last big thing I can try to do. Other than you know, people kind enough like yourself to have me on their shows um, that I can do on my own. 
So um, I don't want to really talk about it because um, I, unlike superstitious, I don't want to jinx it. But right. if it's successful, it could be pretty big. So, uh, But other than that, no, man, you know, I go to work every day. Uh, I come home. I value my time, my family. Um, and that's it. You know, to me, hanging out with my kids, hanging out with my wife is, is more important than any other project. You know, I, I was given all these days these extra days with my family and I just try to make the most of them so you know I'm just a regular guy I'm actually a very boring guy you know I come home I watch my sports hang out with my family and, and that's it alright yeah alrighty then so um Joe I would love I, I love having you on um feel free like it, it doesn't matter uh anything if you want to come on let me know yeah, anytime, and, man. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you had fun here. I, you Definitely. know, I, I again really enjoyed having you on. I, 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 you know, thank you again as a fellow New Yorker. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> like, oof, if, if you need, if you needed an attack dog, <laughs> I, got, I let you know. I got your back. <laughs> I got it, man. I appreciate that, man. Thank you know. I, listen, I, I tell you the same way I tell everyone else. Mm-hmm. Thank you for like you're thanking me, but you know I, I thank you because you know without without people like you that, that have really taken an interest in the story, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything, you know. And uh, so you know you're giving me uh, a platform to to put my story out there. So so thank you very much, and, yeah. and it was an honor to come on. I appreciate it. Oh, the honor, the honor's on mine having you on. Uh, if if uh, people want to contact you to like go on their shows, uh, how well how can they contact you? Uh, probably the easiest way to contact me is on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Joe underscore Lozito. That's at J O E underscore L O Z I T O. I'm on Twitter all the time, so uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with me that way, that's probably the best way, and then we can go from there. Alrighty, so yeah, that was Joe Lazito and uh, the New York City Subway Hero. Just uh, like to thank everyone for listening to today's show. As always, check out my blog, rantingluib.blogspot.com. Please feel free to click the Amazon links. Also, please support Joe by going and buying his book at nysubwayhero.com. Book.com. Again, that's nysubwayherobook.com. Joe, thanks for coming on. Oh, man. Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I appreciate you. <laughs> All right. I, as always, uh, this has been the Crotch Out Radio Show. I've been Lou, I, I have been Louis B. I've always, I will always be Louis B. Why, I keep stu- why am I stuttering now? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. And as always, from my house to your house, mahalo. And that's the end of my show, Donk. When we keep Idaho students in classrooms, they have better physical and mental health. Help keep the student you love in school by getting them vaccinated if they're eligible. Make sure they wear a mask, frequently wash their hands, and stay home and get tested when sick. 
Our teachers and other school staff can also do their part by choosing to vaccinate, wearing a mask, and supporting other preventive measures. For more information on preventive measures, please visit coronavirus.idaho.gov or contact your child's school. Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety.